Thanks for joining us today. In this week's message, we welcome guest speaker Andrew Thunder, and we introduce our December series entitled Christmas Gifts. It's been said that Jesus is the greatest gift ever given to humans. Ultimately, Jesus offers us hope, joy, peace, and reconciliation. Sadly, we sometimes leave this gift unopened. We hope this Christmas you'll take some time to open these gifts and see what God has in store for you. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Cross Church. Let there be light. How's everyone doing this morning? Uh, looks like we uh, just finished a busy weekend, right, with uh, Black Friday there. So everyone's done their Christmas shopping. The thing about December 1st is you, you can just feel the, that Christmas is in the air, right, with uh, the, uh, the music, with the, the shopping and whatnot, and, and the preparations for all the family get-togethers. Is anyone getting together for family get-togethers? Or uh, some of you, oh, you got out of it? Awesome. Good one. Okay, great. <clears throat> so today we are beginning a new series called Christmas Gifts. And by the way, my name is Andrew Thunder. If we haven't met, Pastor Allen is away in Burundi, as was mentioned earlier in the service. With and he, Right now he's with uh, Janet and Denny. They're doing some incredible work up there. Glad to hear some of the some of the great work that's being done, and uh, let's continue to support and uh, and and just be um, lift them up in prayer as they go through it. It's not easy to adjust to a completely different time zone, and then along with uh, the climate climate difference over there and and everything else. So let's definitely keep uh, keep praying for them and expecting miracles to take place while while they're there. Right? Can someone say Amen? Uh, oh, that's okay. So today, before we begin this, uh, the new series here, um, I just wanted to give a very quick update on what's happening with the Max Thunder Memorial Christmas hampers. So for those of you who don't yet know, I'll say really quickly, the Max Thunder Memorial Christmas hampers started out with my dad. Uh, he's on the left hand over here. Um, his name is Max Thunder. And... About in 2013, I believe it was, he visited the home of a First Nations widow who had very little to support her family for Christmas. Um, she didn't have very much food in her fridge. And so it was, his, it was his vision to go and to start um, collecting money from uh, people who are a little bit better off to ask churches to come support this, this vision to start sending hampers up north. So that year, he was able to provide a lot of support, um, and, uh, and we were able to do uh, a lot of great work uh, through, that, um, through that mission. Um, I remember when my dad actually set foot in Cross Church, and he met with Pastor Allen, and he says, uh, can we, um, he, he explained his vision that he wanted to send hampers up north, and he said, uh, Pastor Allen, I'm wondering if your church could pray for us. And um, Pastor Allen said, well, we could do a little bit more than pray for you. We're going to help make that happen. And uh, they did a little bit, we did a little bit of fundraising here on, on that year, and we were able to send dozens of hampers up north, blessing families. Everyone was thrilled. It was, it was awesome. It was amazing. In 2015, my dad passed away. And ever since then, my family has been uh, getting behind this, and, uh, and we've been continuing on this tradition that he'd started. So our goal 
was to raise enough money to, to send 30 hampers up north. And um, just so you know how it works, is we actually go to um, a Northwest Company store location here in the city. And uh, we take advantage of some of their logistics uh, just to make things easier. Um, so we fill up a shopping cart, kind of like this one over here. And the store manager, what he does is he takes that, whatever we put in that shopping cart, he replicates it 30 times. And because it's the Northwest Company, they, they're pros at logistics. So they just send it out to whatever community we, uh, we tell them to. And so makes it super easy, super convenient. And right here is a, one of the recipient families who actually received it. Um, quick fact, we always deal with uh, the local churches up north. So it's actually the pastors, it's the, 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 the Christians on site that are distributing the, the hampers. So we believe that, uh, that the, the church is the hope of the world. We continue to support the First Nations churches through this initiative. So the question is, how far did we get with our, um, with our campaign so far? Last week we were at, we raised enough for 13 hampers. And uh, where are we at for this week? Let's take a look. Drum roll. Whoa ho! Yeah, so it looks like we've raised uh, well above that, that 30. Uh, we got 30.1, and then total raise is 6,100. It's beyond what we were, we were looking for. So we're going to be blessing uh, over 30 families this year. So thank you so much for everyone that came behind this and to support this. This is going to make a, a huge difference um, in the lives of uh, a lot of these, uh, these families that, are, that may be struggling with their finances over Christmas. And so, um, again, this is a, one of the ways that we are just spreading the love of God uh, to those who are in need. So thank you so much, everyone. Um, uh, we actually were planning to do more fundraising today, but we already reached our goal. It was such an amazing response this year. So, so again, um, we, we really appreciate everyone that, uh, that helped to make this happen. So... This week, we are starting a brand new series called uh, Christmas Gifts. And uh, as I mentioned earlier on, we can just feel that Christmas is in the air. We, uh, we, we've been going shopping, some of us, and uh, in the shopping centers, you see the decorations, you see it all throughout uh, uh, Portage and Maine, and you can, we, we had our Santa Claus parade, I think we did, and um, it was just, you know, we, just, we can just feel that uh, Christmas Day is coming, it's approaching. And uh, one of the things that I like the most about Christmas Day is gifts. Not just receiving gifts, but I like it. I like sitting down and watching people open up their gifts. There's such joy and excitement that comes along with it. Uh, and I have a one-year-old and a, a three-year-old that... Uh, my three-year-old constantly reminds us that Christmas is coming. And we know exactly what he wants for Christmas because he reminds us every day, twice a day, four times a day sometimes. But we're looking forward to it. The kids are, are looking forward to it. But there's something very special about uh, oh, that presence, giving presents, opening presents, that whole experience. 
There's a lot of a joy and excitement that comes, comes with that. But don't you think it would be strange if you gave a gift to someone and on Christmas Day, they left it under the tree. They didn't open it. They didn't acknowledge it. That would be quite odd and strange. Today we're looking at Christmas gifts, the gift of God's Son, Jesus. So we're looking back into history 2,000 years ago when Jesus came into the form of a man, fully God, fully human, and he was born in a stable. But when that, when that event had taken place, Jesus himself was a gift from God, but even within that gift that God had given to us, there's a whole bunch of other gifts that were associated with that. And so, as we're talking about the first Christmas story, as we continue this series throughout the upcoming weeks, we're going to be exploring a variety of different gifts that God has extended to us through Christ. And every week, I promise you, it's going to be like... It's going to be like Christmas morning, you know. We're going to have that anticipation. You're going to unwrap a new gift every single week. We are going to be looking at the different aspects of how God has blessed us uh, through the gifts that he extends to us through Christ. But the thing is this. With all these gifts, there's a choice. There's always that choice. Just like that Christmas uh, gift that's just sitting under the tree, you have the choice of whether you're going to open it or not. All this, the same is true with all the gifts that God gives to us. We can either choose to open it, accept it, embrace it, or to leave it. And that's that's the way God interacts with us. He never forces anything on us. He allows us to take part in it. So this is a. Uh, this is the, the, uh, the Christmas. Before we even uh, we continue forward uh, with the, this uh, Christmas gifts uh, series, I just wanted to, to quickly um, take a look at some interesting gifts that uh, other people have given on Christmas Day. Let's take a look at some of them. Here's one. Uh, so does anyone know what that is, just looking at it? So someone's kind of sitting there, they're, they're thinking, yeah, it's definitely an Xbox right there. You can tell by its shape. I like this one here. You got seeds from money tree. The gift that keeps on giving. And uh, right here, there's a little bag with a battery in it. It says gift not included. I believe that's a, a, a double A battery, alkaline, I think. I love this one. I'm 24, I'm still living with my parents, and this is what I got for Christmas. <laughs> Two suitcases. Someone got a hint for Christmas. Or are they going to catch it? <laughs> Christmas gifts. Oh, I also should, should mention, we were, uh, I was in a small group, um, we were leading a small group, I think it was a few years ago, and uh, there was one person that in the group that uh, realized that uh, we were doing an, a gift exchange that evening. And it, was, it started at 7, and it was like 6.55, so he had like five minutes to figure out what kind of gift he's going to bring. So what does he do? He swings by Chicken Delight, 
buys a box of chicken. Somehow he figures out how to wrap it all, throws it under the Christmas tree when he arrives, and then our small group did a little secret Santa gift exchange. And, um, you know, it's one of those gift exchanges where you open up one gift and then you decide if you want to keep it or steal from someone else. We did, we did that. Anyway, when the chicken, the fried chicken was open, you know, and the steam was coming out of that box, there was a little bit of confusion. But let me tell you, that one was a hot item. And, uh, but no, no pun intended. Like, people actually wanted that, that gift. So I'm not going to mention who that was because they might, they might end up leaving the church altogether. So this Sunday, the first Christmas gift that you and I are going to open is the gift of hope. When Jesus came into this world, when God extended the gift of his only son, he was giving us the gift of hope. Now here's the here's thing about hope. Hope is something that every single human needs. We need it to be healthy. We need it uh, to be strong. We need it in order to, to, to reach our goals for the future. And there's even some um, implications to our, our, our men- mental health as well. Scott Barry Kaufman, he's a researcher and a psychologist from Yale University, and he says that hope is not just a feel-good emotion. It's a dynamic cognitive motivational system. So people with high levels of hope will improve in their learning outcomes, and this has a wide effect on, on a variety of different uh, domains in the human life, and this includes your relationships, your career, uh, it includes your spiritual life. If you have hope, then you're able to achieve so much more, and it, and it allows you to experience a great deal of positive mental health. So that's, that's great. <clears throat> when you don't have this hope, then you have a lot of the opposite effects happening. A lack of hope means that you're in a state of hopelessness. And when you're in a state of hopelessness, and even in the, in the extreme cases where you're in complete despair, you'll notice that many people start to uh, have symptoms of depression. They start e- experiencing some of that depression, maybe some anxiety. And in some extreme cases, they even start to, um, uh, they start to practice self-harm. So when we talk about hope, it's literally a life and death topic. God's Lake narrows, or God's Lake First Nation has a population of 550 people. If you were reading the news this summer, you were informed that in that community of 500, 550 people, there were four suicides that took place this summer. And there was 22 attempts, young people, for young people to take their own lives. That's a total of 4% of that entire community facing a suicide crisis. And they even the community itself even um, called for a state of emergency. 
So you take that 4%, 4% of people who are attempting to take their life in that small First Nation. What would happen if 4% of Winnipeg did the same thing over the summer? Do you know what that would equate to? 30,000 people attempting to take their life in a period of a few months. If that happened, there would be international outrage. But here it is, this First Nation, the small First Nation community. What's the problem? What's the issue? There may be many issues. There may be many problems that are causing this. But I could tell you for a fact that in that community, with those individuals who are choosing to take their life, they have lost their sense of hope. They have lost their sense of purpose, and they are in a state of despair. Our job as Christians is to extend this gift of hope to those who need it the most. What we need to understand today is that this gift of hope, it's extended to us, and we can either choose to accept it, to receive it, or to reject it. For those who, who choose to reject it, there will be temporal consequences. But even more so, there's going to be eternal consequences to, for those who don't receive, receive this gift. So Jesus, in his great love for us, he wants us to accept this gift of hope that comes through Jesus. He wants us to embrace it, embrace it, and he wants us to have this full life because he loves us so much. Let's look at this as scripture passage, Matthew 1. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. It says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This passage tells us a great deal about what Mary and Joseph were going through when they first found out that Jesus had been conceived, when they first found out that it was Jesus in the womb of Mary. But what I love the most about this passage is that it delves deep into the identity of who Jesus was, the significance of his birth. And so right now, as we talk about embracing the hope that is extended to us, the only way that we could fully appreciate this hope 
is this, is if we look at the identity of Jesus himself. And so that's what we're going to do. And the first thing that we see is that Jesus was the son of God. The Bible says the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now this is, this is very significant and and it was a miracle that uh, was revealed to Joseph at, a, at an interesting time. See, with, uh, with the book of Matthew, they, the book of Matthew begins the chapter with the genealogy of Jesus, explaining all his ancestors, his, his forefathers, that type of thing. And so he, in that genealogy, it's revealed that Jesus is the son of Abraham, He's also the son of David. And here we find out that he is the son of God. Now at this time, with Mary and Joseph, they were actually, uh, they were headed, they had to go back to their hometown, which is Nazareth in Galilee. And the reason they had to go is because uh, the Romans needed to conduct a census. So when when they were there in Nazareth, uh, it was revealed to Joseph that Mary was with child. But there's a problem here with that. Because Joseph and Mary weren't fully married yet. And there were significant implications to what would happen in this situation with the optics. If people found out that Mary was pregnant, then then the, uh, the, the implications could actually be uh, fatal ones. So here we look here. How did, we've got to take a look at marriage itself back then. How did marriage work? Uh, it actually took place in two phases. The first phase of uh, the betrothal happened when the spouse, the, the person's spouse was chosen, and usually the person's spouse was chosen by the parents. Okay, and then... A year, maybe multiple years later, uh, that's when the formal, um, the formal marriage took place where an agreement was signed in front of witnesses and the marriage is consummated. In between these two phases or stages is where Mary and Joseph are. And when, they, when Joseph realizes that Mary is with child and Mary is carrying a, a baby, he immediately... Uh, he immediately assumed, and he assumed that uh, Mary had committed adultery. Because at that point, uh, Joseph, it says Joseph was, um, he was a righteous man, and they did not have any uh, sexual relations at all. And so he believed that Mary had committed adultery, and what he was doing, you can imagine the, the hurt that he might, must have felt, the anger um, how upset he was at the time. But he knew that if he obtained a certificate of divorce, which was what the law had told him to do, um, he would, the, the, the result would be that Mary could be stoned to death. Out of compassion, he stepped away from that and he tried to um, separate from her just in secret under the radar. And... Just as, about, as he's about to carry out this plan, that's when he gets this, this revelation uh, with the angel. The angel tells him that, no, your assumptions are incorrect. 
Mary, uh, the child within Mary, was actually conceived by the Holy Spirit, not another man. So you could, you could almost tell, you almost uh, feel that, that, that weight that was lifted off of Joseph. Uh, but more than that, the angel goes on to say that um, this child uh, will be named Jesus. This child is going to forgive the sins of his people. And so immediately, uh, you, you, you notice that Joseph is realizing that this, his plan May, there may be a wrench that was thrown in his plan, but he's also realizing that now he's part of a plan so much greater than his own. And that's what, what he experiences at this moment. How many people have ever felt that way before? Maybe you've, you've felt that way. Where you, you have a certain plan, there's certain goals that you want to reach within your life, within your career. Within your, within your job, within your education, and then a wrench gets thrown into that plan. Things aren't working out that's the way that you had thought. And then suddenly you go to God and you say, God, what's going on? What's happening? You need to be reassured that God has a plan for your life. And even though there may be setbacks in the things that God has promised for you, you need to trust him and you need to embrace the plan that he has for your life. Because he wants nothing but to prosper you, to give you an abundant life and a hopeful future. He wants to give you hope. So this is what, what was experienced by Joseph. And then we also see here that Jesus was revealed as the one who saves. The angel said, name the child Jesus. And the actual, literal translation of that in Hebrew would be Yeshua, which means to deliver, to rescue. Or some translations would be God saves. The people of Israel were expecting a Savior. Joseph and everyone else in Israel, they were expecting a Savior to come and to rescue them. But they weren't so much thinking about rescuing from sins. See, at the time, Israel was oppressed by, Roman, uh, the, by, by the Romans who had invaded them. The Roman Empire was, was in power, and, and, and the implications of that meant that uh, it would affect their family life, um, uh, their way of living, their economic uh, activities. All this was happening, and they were longing for a savior to come, a future king who would overthrow the Roman Empire and allow them to live that life that they used to live in the days of King David. That's what they were hoping for. But here we see that God has a, a much greater plan. He's not just looking at their, their present situation or their economic situation. He's looking at all eternity, and not just Israel. He's looking at people of the entire world. He said, you are to name him Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. And when he says his people, he's referring to the sons of Abraham, which is everyone, all people. He will save them from their sins. Now, here's the thing about dealing with sin back then. 
Back then, there was this idea that, yes, you could be cleansed from your sins, but it required you to, uh, to undergo rituals on a regular basis, right? So whether you're taking part in the temple and in different ceremonies that would allow you to be, to be cleansed of your sins in that moment, um, people who were considered righteous would, would do that on a regular basis. But the thing is, this would not completely wipe away your sins, you would have to keep doing this on a regular basis if you were going to remain clean. This is altogether different. Jesus is revealed as the one who is going to save his people from sin. The, Israel, the people of Israel knew that sin was in their lives and they had to do everything to try and clean themselves. But, but here we see that, that Jesus is the one that's going to completely liberate them from, from that stress of knowing that there's sin in their life and completely take away any rituals that, that there were. Jesus was going to take away the sin of the world. You see, the Bible makes it very clear that each and every one of us were born objects of wrath, which means every single one of us were born with sin in our lives because of the sin that was committed by Adam and Eve in the garden. It's hereditary sin. And we see it in our spiritual lives. We see it in nature. We see it all around us. The sin that is in this world was on us when we were born. And the Bible says that if you have sin in your life, you'll be eternally separated from God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That means that, that if you have sin in your life, you cannot have a relationship with God. If you have sin in your life, you cannot be united with God the Father in heaven. You cannot look forward to a future kingdom in heaven. That's cut off from you if you have sin. But Romans 6.23 says, But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When Jesus came, he gave, he gave a gift to us. That all we need to do is believe in him. Put our faith in him. Trust him. Believe in his saving work, and we could be cleansed of our sins completely. No longer will we have to perform rituals to rid us from sin, but we can be completely freed, liberated from all of our iniquities, all of our past wrongdoings. Someone say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So this is the hope that was extended to us. And even in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. All of us, each and every one of us, there's nothing that we can do to make ourselves clean. There's nothing that we could do to rid us from sin. We can, we can attend church on a regular basis. We can, we, we can pray every day. We can do whatever we think we need to do, but it is not going to save you from your sin. The only thing that is going to save you from your sin is a saving work that comes from that precious gift that was in the manger. The precious gift of Jesus who takes away the sin of the world. When you put your faith in him, then you can be fully rid 
of your sins. By grace, you can be saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do the good works which God prepared for us in advance to do. This is what was, this is, this is the, the gift that God extends to us. The reality is, is that there's nothing, the things that you do today, the things that you do cannot save you. But once you're saved, the things that you do should tell us that you're saved. There's nothing that you can do physically to save yourself, but once you are saved, everything that you do should reflect that saving grace. It's like this one song that I, I, I love the lyrics. It says, He demands nothing from us. His love demands nothing from us, but he demands that we give our all. When we are saved by grace, then we are meant to become his workmanship, to do the good things that he has created for us to do. This is the reason. This is your purpose. This is your mission on earth. And it is because that of the gift of hope that God extends to each and every one of us. And the third thing that we see is that God is with us. The name Emmanuel that was in the prophecy, it literally means God with us. They will call him Emmanuel. For the first time in history, we see God himself in the form of a man walking among us, taking on flesh. He's fully God and fully man. And he's experiencing everything that we've experienced, and he's, he's battling the same sin that we've, we've, we've felt. And within his ministry, he took, on the, he took on all of our sin on the cross. And when he was done his ministry on earth, he sent his spirit. So we see here at the very beginning of Christ's presence on earth, he's called Emmanuel, God with us. But Jesus, his last words before he left this earth, he reaffirmed this. And here's when he did it. At the Great Commission, Jesus gathered all his disciples and he said this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. That promise, Emmanuel, God with us, that promise that God is with us, it didn't end at the, at, the, at the conclusion of his ministry on earth. It was just the beginning. Emmanuel, God with us. He is still with us today. His spirit continues to minister to us. The Bible says that, that the spirit of God is our counselor. It allows us to be able to, to continue to, 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 to learn from God, to be guided by him. And that same spirit 
that same presence of God that was with us at the virgin's birth, at the, at, 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 at the young baby's birth, we can now experience today through the power of the Holy Spirit. Someone else say amen. Amen. I'm so thankful that uh, we are able to, to see this work continue. Emmanuel, God with us by his spirit. He has called each and every one of us to, to be a part of his mission, to spread that hope of the gospel to everyone that needs to hear it. And right now we've, we've already heard about Pastor Allen, who is right now in Burundi, Africa, one of the, most, one of the poorest places on this planet so with Janet and Danny, they're working together to support pastors. How many, how many know that we have approximately 50 uh, uh, cross-church international locations in Burundi, Africa? We're supporting approximately 50 pastors to help them spread the good news, that good hope of the gospel to those who need to hear it. Pastor Ellen is supporting the ministry work of the pastors uh, Janet and Denny are supporting another work that our, our church is part of, the Villages of Hope Center right in, in Burundi, where we are feeding young kids who are impoverished and in, in, in supporting their education and teaching them about Jesus, the hope of the world. So all this is happening right now. The work of God is, is, is currently underway, and we are embracing this miss, mission that, was, that is from Emmanuel, God with us. A few years ago, we, we uh, took our, our church, a missions team, down to Garden Hill First Nation. It's a fly-in community. There's, there's no road access to, to get there. Um, behind this group shot is uh, the local TV station. Uh, in this shot, we just finished sharing the gospel uh, on, on through, the, uh, through the TV station and through the radio waves. And then you also see shots of us ministering to, to children and, and, and doing construction for the church to help support the local pastor. There's so much work that needs to be done. And I'm pleased to announce that uh, we are going to do, send another team in 2020 to another First Nation. And we're, we're really excited about uh, what's going to happen in this new year. But the work has to continue. We have to continue to do that thing that God has called us to do, to fulfill our mission here on earth, to respond to the Emmanuel, God with us. I'm just going to end with this quote here by Matthew Henry. He said, By the light of nature we see God as God above us. By the light of the law, we see him as a God against us. But by the light of the gospel, we see him as Emmanuel, God with us. Hallelujah. Today, I want to encourage you to embrace that gift of hope that God is extending to you. If you have never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, that invitation is, is extended to you today. The Bible says that if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Savior, if you accept him as your Lord and you put your faith in him, then you can embrace this gift of hope 
and have eternal life for yourself. For those who have already made that decision, I want to encourage you to continue to cling to that gift of hope. I know things could get very busy, especially around this holiday season where we're, we're looking at, 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 at gifts and arrangements and, and family get-togethers. We need to never, we must never forget this gift of hope that is ultimately extended to each and every one of us. May God, God continue to guide us with, by his spirit, continue to minister to us because of his presence, because of Emmanuel. God with us. Amen. Let's stand together as we close. Father God, we want to say thank you, Lord, for the promises that you have continuously offered to us. And we thank you for these precious gifts that have been extended to us through your Son. Thank you, Father, that by your grace, by your mercy, that you have allowed us to experience uh, your grace. And right now, we just say thank you for that, uh, that promise, Lord, that, that neither death nor life, nor present nor future, nor, nor sickness nor health, nor present nor future, nor, 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 nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you love us and that you continue to love us, regardless of where we are today. Uh, so right now, I just pray that you'd allow each, each of us to just cling to that hope, to, that, to the promises that you've given us. And we just say thank you for your Savior, for Emmanuel. Thank you for God with us. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is with you today. I hear the angels sing.